Hi everyone, and welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name's Donna. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Um, I'm feeling like an ASMR vibe. Really? I just like really love you guys. Listeners, do you feel the tingles? Like somebody, like two people just left. They're like, yeah, we got new mics, so these are fun to um, play around with. Kind of, so we can like kind of hear each other now because normally we can't. You can feel all of the grovel (laughs) in my voice. Oh my gosh, what is it called? Uh, Vocal fry. Vocal fry. Yeah, it's funny when I when I drink a lot, it actually just comes out um, organically. It shows, and it drives Autumn crazy. She's (laughs) She's like, I hate your vocal fry. She's like, it's funny, but I just hate it. I'm like, is everybody having a good time? Just, uh, like, what are you guys up to? Yeah, it's like a very Tina Beltry. <laughs> um, oh, that reminds me. Um, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but we, because uh, we're actually ahead, listeners. Yeah. Um, the uh, Painted with Raven got nominated for like a Wowie, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah, the Wowie Awards. Yeah. yeah. Um, the cast of Painted with Raven got nominated. Which that's is, cool. I think it's really cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Because we know Flawless.Shade on Instagram. Yes, we do. There. And we also interviewed Jordan here on this podcast. Oh, we did interview Jordan. Um, yeah. uh, hopefully in the future, and actually the funny thing is this episode might have released at that time, is um, uh, a fan of our show is actually Flawless Shade. She listens to every episode and she wants to be interviewed for our podcast. But we are going to try to get her for the in-person yeah. interview version of it because she lives in Portland. I think we need her on here. Yeah. Regardless I, of what version it is, I yeah. would love to have flawless.shade. Love to have flawless.shade. On Instagram. Uh, <laughs> on our podcast. Yes. <laughs> on Instagram. On our podcast. Uh, so what are you uh, wearing uh, this evening? Well, Coco, I am wearing <laughs> a bubblegum dress, but it's like chewed, drippy bubblegum. Ew. I mean, it looks couture. Yeah. Yeah. It's like melted plastic and then um yeah i just look like i've been kind of disposed in a waste bin and um chewed up and spit out because i feel that way i feel like you're going through something i i mean (laughs) i'm living in a capitalist system so yes i am always going through crisis <laughs> Always. What about you, Coco? Um, I'm dressed as the weeds of the wedding flowers. Um, I'm dressed as baby's breath. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, I have little pieces sticking out everywhere. That's what's in my hair right now. It doesn't look like I just like threw myself on the ground and like rolled I, in the garden. I dig it. There's a lyric from a Peaches song. If you don't know who Peaches is, listeners, then you should look her up. She's very sexual. Um, but she <laughs> says, "Oh yes, just one request. If you bring flowers, I like baby's breath." And I never understood that because baby's breath is awful. It is disgusting. Yeah. So like, why, why? baby's breath? I don't. The song was called uh, Mommy Complex, so I guess that makes sense. Oh, maybe. Oh, baby's baby, breath. Mommy. Oh, yeah. baby's yeah. breath. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. I was like, no, those are weeds. My mom had, but this is funny thing. So my mom and I love roses and all of her brides. So this is funny. This is so classy. I would have loved to have a wedding like this. So mm-hmm. my mom at her wedding, which actually I've never said this on the podcast before. When my mom got married to my dad, all the men had canes and top hats. And all of the women had uh, beautiful like sun hat kind of things. Um, and umbrellas. That's um, cool. But the umbrellas, they weren't, o- you couldn't open the umbrellas. All the umbrellas yeah. were full of roses. Oh. And my mom's umbrella, so like canes, obviously. Yeah. So my mom's umbrella was full of like some kind of flower and a lot of baby's breath. Oh. It's what it nice. was full of. And it was actually really gorgeous. I just, 
I my my parents are so classy when it comes to cleaning up. Like, yeah. <laughs> and my dad does look like a pimp, and my mom very much looked like a streetwalker back in the day. And like, <laughs> but they did. They cleaned up nice. And the only reason there's only one picture, um, from like you know the wedding album, because they got married in a church. Yeah, they can't wear their hats in church. So even oh. though they had canes and top hats, they didn't actually have the canes and top hats up there while they were getting married. Yeah, only the women had their umbrellas. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my mom was like, yeah, this is what they wore. And it's like, it was so beautiful. Like, it was a really Wait, they didn't even have the canes in the church? I didn't see any pictures of the canes. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I don't don't know why that was. But yeah, Yeah. Um, (laughs) long story about baby's breath. We're ta- on this episode today. We're actually going to be uh, talking about how drag saved lives. Yes, a little bit. Um, it's a lifesaver. And um, we're and we're actually going to talk about because I know that you all know that I did that COVID vaccine event where drag literally saved lives. We're going to talk about how drag saved our lives a little bit here. Yeah. Um, in different capacities, and I'll have Donna go first. Uh drag definitely helped me understand my gender identity better. Tea. You know, I'm a gender fluid individual. And, um, I definitely had a lot of like crises in like thinking about my gender at first when I started drag, because there were some times when I was like, um, do I want to transition? Like, what is the deal with me? You know, like, what is this and why, why am I feeling so empowered and this kind of like euphoria, um, from drag. And it definitely, it got me to the point of just like understanding that, femininity is something that I can like express freely and openly and that it's not something I should be ashamed of as a kid I was so conditioned to not have it be a part of me because it was something I was very much shamed for so drag helped me feel empowered in that way and drag also introduced me to a shit ton of friends so yeah without drag I would have not met Donna Autumn um, my husband, uh, my closest friends in my circle right now, like Fallis Shade. Uh, I wouldn't have met Lexi without drag, Lexi Siren, yeah, uh, Sequin McQueen, Babylon Brooks. I wouldn't have met any of the people that I consider some of my closest friends without drag, actually, yeah. because drag is what you know pulled us together, and it's actually yeah. the commonality thing that we have in common, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, drag gave me a lot of great things. Um, I think how it saved me, actually, I will say the biggest thing about saving me is the fact that drag introduced me to Adam because he came into me in Donna's karaoke show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what drag really saved me is it gave me an outlet. I felt like I was, I felt like I was screaming inside to like have a voice mm-hmm. and drag is actually what pushed me into activism. Oh, okay. Because yeah. drag, uh, like we've said on this podcast a little billion times drag drag queens are at the forefront of every movement and drag gave me a voice in my community and it put me in front of the right people to say the things i wanted to say it gave me a microphone that i still use today to say you know black trans life matter or something to that effect you know just in front of people and it's given me the connections to have that voice in the community in the way that i want to yeah yeah that's amazing yeah, it it gave me a voice that I didn't know that I needed. And I know that we said on an earlier episode, you know, we did our whole, like, what would you say to yourself as a kid if you were on Drag Race, the yeah. finale or whatever, and we don't need to go back and listen to that episode, listeners. Yeah. Um, is But the one thing that I, I forgot about was this part, that, like, the voice, like, 
like drag does lend itself to giving you a voice in different capacities for gender and sexual orientation and yeah um god i really wish i would have found drag sooner as it's the only creative thing that i do in my life Mm -hmm. because like even for my work and like my professional boy career and all other things that i do like i can't paint for anything like Mm -hmm. i i'm not really a great actor it's more Um, analytical yeah, everything I do in my life is analytical. And even the way they paint my face is like paint by numbers. And mm-hmm. so I'm not really creative in those ways. But that's why I can make a good mix because that's like analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it gave me it gave me the only create only thing that I'm good at creatively. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Donna. Yeah. I just wanted to know. How um, are you doing this evening? Well, I'm doing really good. Um, <laughs> we have a special guest for this next portion of the podcast. So I'm just going to tell you now. I hope you like it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Drag Danger Zone is a monthly showcase featuring new and established performers every month, every fourth Thursday at Mississippi Pizza, located at 3552 North Mississippi Avenue. This fun cabaret variety show is hosted by Marla Darling, Valerie DeVille, and DJ Awara. For ticket info, find us on Instagram at Drag Danger Zone PDX or Facebook at Drag Danger Zone. And get into the zone. The Drag Danger Zone, that is. Hey, are you kind of sick and tired of going downtown to watch quality drag shows? We're bringing you a specialty drag show to your neighborhood bar at the Montevilla Saloon. It is every last Sunday of the month at 7 o'clock p.m. So you can see downtown drag just in your backyard. Located at 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Once again, that's 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Be on the lookout for more information. It's a podcast. With Coco and Donna, tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you, podcast. With Coco and Donna, tell a podcast. Well, Donna can't be here today because she decided to step out of the room. But instead, I'm bringing on one of my Camp Wanakiki siblings, Xenon TV. Hello. Hi, Xenon. How are you? I am so good. This drag festival is extraordinary and I'm having such a good time, especially because I get to reconnect with you. Thank you. And everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we were on Camp Wanakiki season two together. And so I think the fans would want to know immediately, because they obviously they might not know who you are if they go to the website, um, why did Vivica Galactica change into Xenon TV? That's a great question. And I think that you might be able to have like certain understanding about this. But once I saw myself on that platform to where mm-hmm. I wasn't in control of it, I got to see how I perceive myself in a certain way Mm -hmm. I didn't know who that person was I didn't know the kind of drag that I wanted to do I didn't know who I was in who I was in or out of drag and so uh since I've gone through the process of like having my weight loss surgery learning a lot about myself and living in New York City longer and having some time during the pandemic I really figured out the kind of drag that I want to keep moving forward with and uh Xenon TV is 
uh, hearkening back to like my childhood, which is my nostalgia, which is Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Is and it really from that? I always yeah, wondered if it, it is. was. It's <laughs> Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. And then, the, so I've always knew that I was going to spell it that way mm-hmm. uh, because of Xenon. And then um, TV from Mike TV, who is from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is my favorite movie as a child. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, because I'm a campy drag queen, like Xenon TV just rolls off the tongue. So I like having reasons for everything. And so it's like you kill two birds with one stone. So yes. it's meaning and Zenon also. on TV and then obviously Xenon Girl in 21st Century. Yeah, that's actually really clever too because like to bring it back to who you are because like my drag name is just a culmination of things that I love uh-huh. which obviously are not a pun. Like I love Gem from Gem and the Holograms Yes, and I love Jennifer Holiday from Dreamgirls. So I totally uh-huh. get it because like those, when you hear those names um, when people are introducing you on stage it always like gives you that like those tickles or whatever. Yep. Was it hard to change your name after being on the third most like popular drag reality t- like competition series in the world? Um, I would say that it it wasn't like I reached out and I talked to Ginger Minge who is one mm-hmm. of my drag moms and I was like do you think this is a good idea and she's like is, I was like is that okay and the only feedback that she gave me was just don't make it a habit don't change your drag name all the time and once I knew and had Xenon down like of course I wasn't going to change it because it really like fits me and who I was so um having it happen during the pandemic was certainly great because like it gave me time to be able to really cultivate who I was mm-hmm. um, and come out of the pandemic as we started doing live stuff again as this entirely new entity while I've had time to continue practice my face to continue to like understand makeup and costuming more and so now um, yesterday was actually my two year anniversary of changing my drag name. Really? Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. And uh, like, it has just been like really great knowing who I am, knowing the numbers, what I want to do. Like I love nostalgia, but I also love, um, just camp and being stupid and not taking myself too seriously. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. Cause like the thing is like, I always feel like with when, um, so Vivian and I talked about this as well on this podcast that sometimes people consider uh, camp to be a thing that um, it isn't in the sense of like they, they expect like a glam queen can't be a camp queen. They don't expect that camp can be too polished. They don't expect they think that camp is stupid without context sometimes and like they'll wrap around camp into these things that it's really not like and the fact is like I think camp doesn't have to take itself too seriously, but when you see how seriously people do camp, even when it's stupid, you're just like, okay, because like, um, so I have to tell you listeners, so I got to watch Zine on TV perform, I think I've actually seen you do that mix before, and it's like a mix of like 90s like TV shows and whatever, like theme songs, and it's like really, and like popular music, and it's really great. And apparently she can stunt now with these cartwheels. I saw that, girl. So good for you. Just you wait till later tonight. <laughs> I'm doing nothing special later tonight. <laughs> and then literally, but I was seriously just like so gagged and gooped because like the lip sync was on point. Like the entertainment was great. And honestly, the mix is incredibly stupid. Like it's so fun and stupid. Like it just reminds me of like Ivana from Camp on a Key season two. She also has like a really long mix like that. That's her Broadway mix. Her Broadway mix, which yep. is so stupid. It is. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing ever. And but I, just, I love it. I love it. And I love it. I love it when it's like stupid intentionally. Like you're like, oh, this is like, I love when you're like, as a camp queen, you'll be making a mix. And you're like, oh, this is so stupid. Oh, I love this. <laughs> yes. I do that all the time. Like, oh, this is stupid. 
oh god this is so this stupid. stupid and then i'm like <laughs> it's exactly what it needs to be. Oh my gosh, uh, it's just it, it's a whole journey, and I love it. So, um, how long? And so, to get my listeners to know who you are, so let's mm-hmm. go do some history. How long have you been performing in drag? I've been doing drag for five and a half years. Um, I consistently. So the first time that I ever saw drag was, oh gosh, uh, probably back in like 2010, 2011. I was in Laramie, Wyoming, where I came out. And uh, oh. the first time they ever saw a drag queen in person was this queen named Mardi Gras. She's like 450 pounds, <laughs> six foot six, like in heels. And she was doing uh, a, fund- a bingo mm-hmm. funders that they do every year for the Wyoming AIDS Foundation. Wow. And I had never seen a drag queen in person before. And I saw that and it was just incredibly stellar. And then as like I go back in my history, I think the first time that I ever did drag was I was a zombie drag queen for uh, a Halloween once in Laramie. Really? And I forgot about that, but I don't count that as like mm-hmm. my drag birthday because I wasn't like, I wasn't intending to do drag ever. I just wanted sure. to be like a dead, I don't know, it was weird. And then um, I started drag. I made my debut on June 11th of 2016. Um, oh, you and so the day that's crazy. Oh, oh, the the day is something that I will always remember, and it's because I made my debut um, the same night that Pulse happened. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! You didn't know this? No, I didn't. Know. Well, I mean, I've known of you, of course, right. but like a start. Yeah. Oh, obviously. that was my start. And so, like, I lived in Laramie, Wyoming. I was a theater gay, so, like, I didn't have a queer community, and then I went and lived in Greeley for a hot minute, so you know what it's like living in podunk cow towns in Colorado, and then, um, (laughs) it's it's the opposite of Hawaii, (laughs) Um, and so, what ended up happening is there is, like, I met my ex online on OkCupid, which brought me to Denver, but I was in this, like, heteronormative relationship all of our friends were straight like we had a few gay friends but like there were also heteronormative gay friends and so like i didn't know what a queer community was until i started drag in 2016 wow and crazy to think about yeah and i was 28 like and now i'm 33 five years later and (laughs) um i like i have immersed myself in this culture of drag and it's been so amazing and it's because of like in a weird sad twisted world it's because of the pulse shooting like Mm -hmm. um i started drag because i was a delegate for bernie sanders in 2016 Mm -hmm. um and i was raising my money i was raising money for a fundraiser that i did to be able to help me get to philadelphia when it happened sure and um I got home and I was scrolling through and I saw Cynthia Lee Fontaine make a post that if you're on Pulse nightclub, you need to run. And I think it was because she was there. She was supposed to be she, there. Uh, I think she was there. Yeah. I think she had like just left or something. Oh like that. yeah. Somebody, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw her make that Facebook post and I was like, what is this? And of course it was my debut. So like I couldn't sleep and then that happens. And so you can't sleep even more because you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um, and then, so the next day was uh, candlelight, vigils and the day after that was anti-gun rallies and then that next weekend for us in denver was pride and so um i saw the community that was around uh me in drag uh because mm-hmm. at that point like i had started to watch season eight of rupaul's drag race like mm-hmm. i was loving sasha velour all that thing yeah um 
And I started seeing the people from tracks when I would go there and watch it. And then um, I would see those same, I saw the same people at the candlelight vigils and at the rallies and at pride. Oh wow! And then that's when I recognized that first week that like, like there is a community of queerness and like Mm -hmm. dragging it up itself as a community, but it's also um, part of this, overarching queer community that I had no idea existed because I grew up in the church, you know, like I grew up in Longmont, Colorado and Laramie, Wyoming, and I was born in Nebraska. So like everything was so foreign to me. And so, uh, drag has really been this amazing lifesaver that really showed me that like you can change your life and you can really discover who you are later on in life. So even though I came out when I was 21 and I started drag when I was 28, like it's this weird mix of like, I am a late bloomer in some cases, but like it's also proof that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want with life. That's really deep. Honestly, gosh, that'd be so weird. That being your start of something. Yeah. And like, and yeah, I do remember. And the thing is, I actually think on this podcast, we've never really talked about, Pulse before. And so for the listeners out there, um, Pulse Pulse Nightclub obviously is a nightclub in Florida and there was a shooting that happened um, and many people lost their lives. And it 49. was also, Yeah, and it was also their uh, their Latinx night, um, their Latin night at the club. And so most of the people were obviously like brown folks as well, which is obviously incredibly heartbreaking as well. Trans folks included in that in that as well. And it was a really uh, the community, the queer community across the entire country actually felt that wave. Because it could have been us. It could have been us because as queer people, we use nightclubs, queer nightclubs, as our place to feel safe. It's our place mm-hmm. to go on a date. It's our place to kiss. It's our place to hold hands. Like in the straight community, like people often forget that one of the things about straight privilege is like PDA and like showing love in any kind of fashion to another person. And so gay nightclubs kind of give us that ability to just be ourselves and be human beings and whatever and like so somebody literally robbed us from safe spaces Mm -hmm. in a way that that was like really heartbreaking and so honestly that's an interesting i never knew that about you and you're already like kind of like a positive person which we're gonna get to later (laughs) (laughs) actually this is funny so i have to say this actually just to like lighten it up a little bit i was telling the sugar bakers the sugar bakers are people who run campona kiki and i was telling today i was like i love xenon so much i was like we are the antithesis of every of each other's characters. <laughs> I was like, I was like, she is a hundred percent the opposite of who I am as a person. And I was like, and I don't know what it is. I was like, but I admire her so much, even though she is not like me at all. <laughs> it's true. So let's get a little bit more to your history. So why yeah. did you? So you started drag in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to move to? I remember seeing this post. And I just want you to share it with our listeners. Yeah. Why did you move to New York the first time? Ooh, so I moved to. New York the first time because uh, uh, I remember I was auditioning for Drag Race. I was such a goober back then. Like I was like, <laughs> why did I ever think that I would be good enough to be on Drag Race? But I was auditioning for Drag Race. I was getting everything ready. And um, I lived in the shitty apartment complex that I didn't trust having packages shipped to me there. And so mm-hmm. there was an Amazon locker box at the 7-Eleven across the street. Mm-hmm. And I went across the street to go pick up this wig that I was going to attempt to make a roller set out of, which is a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, and so I went and I, uh, picked up the wig and I cross, 
crossed back over the street and mm-hmm. I jaywalked and I wasn't over a crosswalk and I literally put my headphones in my ears and I was looking up at the clouds and I stepped off a meeting and I got hit by a car. And what? Um, I that's exactly what happened. And so uh, I don't remember getting hit. I don't remember the CAT scan. I don't remember the ambulance ride. I don't remember any x-rays or anything like that. My mom showed up at the hospital. Um, and I was a Jane, I was a John Doe and my, I, cause I called my dad in the hospital, in the ambulance, like dad, I got hit by a car, oh <laughs> but God. I didn't have my wallet with me cause I was just going across the street. Right. <laughs> and so like I was a John Doe, but because I called my dad and like my mom went to Denver health and she ended up finding me, but, um, my grandma and my little brother went down there and it was wild. And I was very concussed cause like I hit the car hood and then i also hit the ground afterward and so uh i had a pretty bad concussion and the doctors couldn't bring me out of it and so i was in this weird state and i remember like puking over the side of the bed and i felt like i was a part of the poltergeist like looking back at it oh my gosh and um my mom when the doctor wasn't looking opened up a can a little bottle of like um essential oils and put them under my nose Mm -hmm. and it pulled me right out of whatever funk I was in. Wow. And, um, I ended up walking away from the hospital that day. Um, but the reason why I moved to New York is because after I had gotten hit by the car, which was just after I had broken up with my partner of five years, Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, I, I did, I, at that point had not lived a life worth living in my opinion. And Mm. I said that I wanted to start living a life that I would be proud of and I wanted to have a legacy. And so, uh, I had weirdo at the time and, um, I was like, I can't be stuck in Denver. I want to restart in a certain way. And so I did, I moved to New York city. Um, and I was kind of thriving in New York for a little bit. And, um, one day I, you know, like Ginger Minch told me about Camp Wanakiki at, um, at the Dragon in New York. And it had been like in the back of my mind for a long time. And she said that I should audition. And I did about three months into living in New York. Mm-hmm. And I auditioned in Times Square at three o'clock in the morning. And I sent it the last day that they were due. Wow. And now here I am. The rest is history. The rest is history. That's crazy. So. I do know that you did move back to Colorado. <laughs> Why did you move back to Colorado? Uh, because I had just gotten fired from my job right before the Panini. Uh, and the Pandemic Lovato. Yes, the Pandemic Lovato. <laughs> the Panda <laughs> Express. <laughs> uh, I had just uh, gotten fired for giving a customer a free broken cookie. Uh, and I was like, great, I'm going to do drag full time. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course... Everything happened. Uh, I had no idea that I was like working for them long enough to be able to afford unemployment mm-hmm. and be it specific. And if I would have been able to afford employment, be unemployment because of, you know, like how all that works. Right, right. Uh, and I had been fired before the pandemic started. So essentially what happened was I didn't have any idea if I was going to be able to make any income and mm-hmm. I panicked and um, Dixie Crystals in Colorado offered me her basement to live in for free for three months. Oh, wow. And so I was like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> um, and it yeah. was wild. Like I remember like 
Um, I sent all of the belongings that I cared about in the um, Priority Express packages from the USPS, and I sent like six of those back. And so like I got rid of everything when I moved back to Colorado. Wow. And I kind of did the same thing when I moved back. But um, Why did you move back to New York? Uh, I moved back to New York because I um, had learned... So I had I had a muggle job, a really good muggle job, and I was making mm-hmm. decent money in it. But I got gaslit real bad mm. because, um, and come to find out, I learned within the past couple months that I have ADHD, and mm. there was a big education aspect and stuff like that that I was supposed to learn that I didn't handle very well mm-hmm. because I had to be an online banker essentially for people, and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to like answer the questions correctly, like in terms of like following the law, mm-hmm. especially for banks and finances and FCI, FDIC or whatever. Right. And, um, I was gaslit so bad by my boss that I decided to quit. Um, and then when I quit, I handed in my resume mm-hmm. or I handed my resignation letter. And because I resigned, uh, I, they were like, we're going to accept this, but you're not going to come back to work, but we're going to pay you for two weeks. And because I got a job before I quit, I was able to start that job right away. Mm -hmm. And so I got two paychecks at the same time. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was in a really flexible spot because I had some really shitty living situations in Colorado, Mm -hmm. in Boulder specifically. Uh, And I was either going to get a one-bedroom apartment, which was $1,300, or... Uh, well, that was it. Like, that's the thing. And like that apartment was like, we're taking so long to get figured out. Uh-huh. And then it was like, I'm going to have to get another car. I'm going right. to have to get my license again. I'm going to have to get insurance and all this stuff. And so everything was piling up and then, uh, everything hit and I was working at Whole Foods at four o'clock in the morning. And, um, one day I rem- I felt this, like, I felt this entity come in and like grab me by my shirt and just pull me. And I knew that that was New York calling me back. It was a Mm. really weird, like intense feeling that like you, it's hard to describe, but you know, happened in like a sixth sense kind of way. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay. And that happened the same time. Then I got, I got the same paycheck on the same day for both jobs. And so, um, I was like, (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> so I used that to be able to do my deposit and my flights back to New York. And I've been back uh, since April. No, February. So how um, how did you, where did you stay when you moved back to New York? Uh, I found a place on Craigslist uh, in Sketch. Hell's Kitchen. Absolutely. And it was with two wonderful gay men that are, <laughs> that were so great. Mm-hmm. I love living, I love living in queer, uh, just with other queer people. Mm. It's so phenomenal. Yeah. That is, how long were you in Colorado for then? I was in Colorado for 10 months. (laughs) 10 months. I was like, get me out of here. And like, (laughs) oh, like you and I both have feelings on Colorado drag and how toxic it is. Yes. And um, I still love it. Like I'm going back in June and I'm doing a show and I'm very Mm -hmm. excited about it. But like, um, I tried to re like claim space in that scene Mm -hmm. and, um, it was very apparent that um, it wasn't worth staking any claim in that scene anymore. And so yeah. I um, kind of made my own little scene in Boulder and mm-hmm. like 
started planting some seeds, really making it happen, happen and I enjoyed it. Um, but at the end of the day, once New York called, cause like when I left New York, I never thought that I would ever be able to make it back because I was so ashamed that I left New York, especially during a pandemic. Um, yeah. but I had no idea what was going to happen with finances. I like, it was just me. Um, and it was very difficult to do that. And so like, I had a lot of shame. I deal with a lot of shame who doesn't, but, yes. um, I never thought that I would be able to go back or be welcomed back, but I was, and, um, going back as Xenon really kind of helped me create this like vigor and this newfound confidence in like who I am as a hundred pounds less of a person, you know, like, wait, when was your weight loss surgery though? I had my weight loss surgery on Christmas Eve of 2019. Wait, where were you living though? Were you in Colorado? New York. Okay. It was in New York. Um, and what ended up happening is I got it on Christmas Eve and you're generally good to like rejoin the population like without like super intense food stuffs after mm-hmm. three months. Mm-hmm. And so that three month mark after having a surgery on Christmas Eve is March. <laughs> and so I had like one weekend of freedom where I went to Baltimore and I performed down there and it was a great mm-hmm. time. Uh, and then I went up to Boston and mm-hmm. I performed at Boston and I was part of the last cast that ever performed at machine before I ended up getting shut down. Wow. And so I got to perform that. And then the pandemic happened basically while I was there. And then that Wednesday is when everything just went zoop. And so like I had like a week or a week and a half of like this new person of like losing weight, discovering who I am. Uh, and then the pandemic shut everything down again. Yeah. But I, in a lot of ways, like the pandemic it is and has been influential in terms of like giving me the opportunity to find silver linings in everything. Mm-hmm. And definitely one of the biggest silver linings has been the ability to like really hone in on my drag and who I want to be and who Xenon is. And, mm-hmm. um, I like have like circled and spiraled around the concept of, uh, being originally, I was a stepmom from outer space and Mm -hmm. like once I started losing weight and like started feeling sexy and being able to move around and stuff again, like I didn't want to pigeonhole myself and like being that like matronly character anymore, even though that's very much still my, like my love. And I always, Mm -hmm. I love on people a lot. Um, but, uh, I, as I continue to perform and like be Xenon and be Z and, uh, be discovered and seen as that, I really was like, well, I, I want to keep doing different things. And so that's how I ended up coming up with um, being New York City's channel surfing sweetheart is Xenon TV. Oh, that's cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, so I can do a bunch of different kinds of drag. I can do... Um, and I've been really loving punk music lately. Like, you have, just like you, getting into it. That pink hair that you were wearing actually seen very punk rock and I was like I was like Xenon has some skills in here and actually this is this is actually just a funny story and I think it's a behind the scenes scene that I want to give people blisters tonight so when we got booked for the Austin Drag Festival like I didn't recognize they were supposed to be a Camp Wanakiki showcase and it is happening but I thought it was going to be an additional performance for the Camp Wanakiki cast members it's just part of our performances and so I didn't bring 
a campy number for it. So I had actually just changed my number this morning, actually, to be more campy because the yes. sugar makers were like, they're like, you need to do more camp because like the number I was going to do was incredibly political. And the funny thing about political drag is it isn't always camp, and like unless you make it camp and over the top. But I feel like political numbers for me have to be incredibly serious, and so I changed my number completely to uh, talking about heartbreak and love because I can make those campy as shit and I'm singing some songs. And so, like, it's just some behind-the-scenes scene that I did change my song literally several hours ago to be like, okay, let's make it camp because the killer figures are like, it needs to be camp. And I was like, fine. 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 (laughs) So I, my number tonight is going to be a physical mix and it's physical with Dua Lipa and physical with uh, Olivia Newton-John, but it also has... Legally Blonde the Musical, <laughs> and it also has Work Bitch from Britney Spears, uh, and it's this like six and a half minute number song, and I never would have done this like pre, like losing all this weight, discovering who I am, but like like I like. I love this mix because I do fucking burpees during it. Like I do burpees, I run, I like exercise wow. during it, and like no. I never ever would have been able to do that before, uh, even when I was on camp. And so like I'm excited to be able to bring, and but it's gonna be super fucking campy and stupid, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, that's so that's so exciting. <laughs> I no, I really I because I got to watch Zinat. Uh, what was that? That was today, wasn't mm-hmm. it? That I, yeah, today's God. been a very long day. <laughs> it's a long day. It feels like camp. <laughs> it yes. doesn't feel like camp. Yeah. Drinking heavily in long days and drag. <laughs> and it's true. And I did. I got to watch your number and I thought it was fantastic. Um, so a little bit about you. So you are one of those people who, we talked about this, and I kind of want you to go over it on the podcast again. You kind of talked about how you like to have those moments in every show that's like manifesting and like more positive and things like that in the middle of drag shows. Because you did talk about how... Um, one of the passions that you have is like hosting drag shows these mm-hmm. days. And so tell us about that moment that you're talking about, those educational, those enlightening moments, those learning moments. Yeah. I, and a lot of times what it is is you, you take moments from like a song or seeing somebody's face or seeing somebody smile or um, just like r- recognize you're seeing. But for me, like there's always some sort of spark or inspiration that like mm-hmm. as I'm thinking about something during a number or – Um, as I just see how good of a time people are having, Mm -hmm. um, I, something that I don't know if it's because I'm from Colorado or if it's because I'm just this weird person, but like, I love making eye contact with people and I love like seeing them and celebrating them, like who they are in that moment. And so, um, during each one of my shows, I, when it comes to drag specifically, there are people that are like, you are here to see me Mm -hmm. and they don't. And they put that wall up and yeah. then they're there. For me, I break all walls down when I'm in a drag show, especially my drag bingos, especially um, uh, my, ugh, all my shows, honestly. Um, but I really like connecting with people that are in my audience because at the end of the day, they're reaching into their wallet and they're giving me money. And mm-hmm. I want I don't want people to think that I'm unapproachable. I want people to like, I want them to know that I'm very grateful that they're giving me their hard earned money as a tip. And so through that, I pull them into it and Mm -hmm. I make them a part of the show. I get rid of all fourth walls or like even the fourth wall. Like I, I talk to them, I see them, I look into their eyes. Um, and, uh, I always want people to leave my shows feeling better or smiling when they when they leave or like yeah. feeling better than they were than they came in 
And so like that inspiration moment is just like, for me, I grew up in the church and I wanted to be a pastor for most of my life. And wow. I had a lot of really shitty religious church trauma, have a lot of really shitty religious church trauma. And so, um, in a way I am still a pastor, but I'm a pastor to people who need to hear it. And that's insane. Um, it is really great because there's nothing that has to do with any sort of God. It is finding the love that we have for our community, but also the finding the love that you have for ourselves. And the biggest thing that I talk about consistently during the moments, especially right now, um, during the shitty political times that we're in, but also with, um, the pandemic and, you know, like weight that we may have put on and all the things is just all about having grace. Yeah. Uh, specifically like Dolly, you know, like what would Dolly do? Mm-hmm. Dolly would give grace and that's all that you got to really know and do. So I think this is the perfect time for me to talk about how effing positive Xenon is. And, <laughs> and no, and the funny thing is I do admire that about you on camp and during the filming of camp, uh, Xenon was doing these manifestation, like, poem moments in the morning that were actually really positive and I really enjoyed them at the same time of feeling like my skin was burning while it was happening because I just think that there's such a really there's such a there's such a power that comes in that positivity that you have like um and I do not to necessarily other people but there's a power in being positive choosing to be positive on outlooks that you're having in life and whatever and listening to the messages of the universe as you manifest like things in the world and i think that there is a lot of strength in that um as me on the side that's a little bit more pessimistic pessimistic glass half empty kind of person which is funny i think i see the glasses half full but it's pretty much damn half empty as well (laughs) i mean that's what a realist is and so i but i've also found there's courage that comes from identifying situations and like, yeah, maybe having a social commentary on how it's existing and whatever, but I feel like both of our missions are the same. Plus, we want to make the world better for everybody. Like, you basically just said it. Like, you know, you want people to leave your shows feeling like they've like they've gotten something out of it. They, like, they're better coming to your show than when they came. And, and I feel that same way, too. I like to have people leaving my shows feeling a little bit more enlightened. Like, and I think that that's really important, mm-hmm. especially because drag has always been... Um, drag throughout time has always been like kind of a rebellion. It's always been a force. It's always been like, um, it's always been a statement. It's always been taboo. It's always been something that's like pushing the envelope forward. Like, um, it was funny. Davey Wavy said this, but I don't think they're the first one that said it. The drag queens at the forefront of every movement. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's incredibly true because we get audiences that are underground or we get straight audiences or we get, we get to be on a mic in front of people where we're actually allowed to say whatever the hell we usually want to. And sometimes we use our powers for good to change the world. And I think it's really beautiful mm-hmm. that you're doing that in your incredibly positive way. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and one of the other things that I think is important to note specifically in that is like um, a lot of times I don't want people to, I think this is my, where our things are, might be a little bit different is that like, <laughs> I don't necessarily want them to leave um enlightened like like you said like and i understand why you and that's very much your drag like especially with your political stance yeah um i love it when when they're aloof or when they're like i'm just real happy and there's this is i have to re- reason why yeah. but like sometimes when they just leave a space with a smile on their face and there doesn't always have to be a reason why to know that like i can help facilitate that 
is really exciting. That's actually really interesting. I I don't I don't know if I care as much about that as you do. So you're right on that point. I like how I use more like harsher terms than you know Z does. <laughs> I like because I want people to have a good time. Yeah, of course. obviously. But there is there is a time for education, and a lot of times you need to be educated when you're least expecting it because people build walls. <laughs> like oh shit, Coco's gonna get on her soapbox. She's gonna get on her soapbox. <laughs> I do. I do prepare people. I'm like, oh, this is a box moment. Uh, Let's go for it. Right, but then they're forced, and then they stay there, and then they have to listen. And and, and listen, if anybody, if any, if anybody knows anything about Coco Jim Holiday, which I think a lot of those <laughs> who listen to this podcast do, when she speaks, you gotta listen because if you true. don't, you're in for a world of hurt. <laughs> That's so deep. Oh my god, that is. Masterful tea. Uh, <laughs> I love that, and I do. And I, the funny thing is, like, I think that we really see each other. Like, I think that's why we've always been like, we've always been friends, is because we see the other side of the fence and how the person is like navigating life through it. Because both of us have had some incredibly like horrible challenges in life, and like we've overcome in certain ways. And we've used drag as an outlet, obviously, uh-huh. to better ourselves. As a lot, funny thing is, I always say this. I was like, nobody becomes a drag queen because I got their shit together. Oh, amen. <laughs> Why do you think I would be a full time, part time woman living in New York City? No, no one does that on purpose. Jesus. I knew I was going to never make it on Broadway. So now I dress like a woman and I make more money than they do anyway. I know tea, though, honestly. <laughs> people even ask me, like, now that, like, my life is getting back on track, I have been asked by people, like, why do you still do drag? Like, if you're, like, boy life is, like, going so well. And I was like, because the other thing about drag that nobody ever says, I was like, you have to be passionate about drag to do it because it's a, it's a money you hole. do, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's that whole concept that, like, for, for I, the definition of drag is that it's a queer form of self-expression. Yeah. And like as straight as metamorphosis may be seeing her walk through that place tonight, you know that bitch is a little queer in a couple different ways. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> I saw the way that she was strutting that place and swinging those hips. I oh, was like, like, okay, honey. Okay, this is what... Okay, let's, let's back up because... So, Maddie Morphosis is here at the Austin International Drag Festival. She's not performing. She she's came with Deja. She's supporting sisters, which is great. She's, That's what drag is yeah, about. She's supporting sisters, but, like, and you can tell. And I think she has drag with her because, like, the Rue girls always have to have drag with them when they're traveling or whatever. She's got this pussycat wig on. That Monet <laughs> exchange would be shaking in her boots over. It is literally, she is wearing, and it looks like her natural hair, too, which is so it funny. Does. And she's so, I saw this very slender woman with this blonde little pussycat wig and this blue cocktail dress and then like these chunky like kind of taller heels with like laces up the side and no tights at all no breast form no contouring nothing it was kind of pedestrian it was insanely <laughs> pedestrian it was so good and I was like <laughs> somebody get Coco Matrice on the phone because <laughs> like here's the thing I didn't recognize it was her at first. <laughs> and she looks exactly like she does on the show. Because I was like, she does. Who, who is, I was like, who is this woman? Yes. And then somebody like was taking a picture with her. I was like, why is somebody taking a picture with this like pedestrian ass person <laughs> in the corner? And then I turned and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's Maddie Morphison. And I went over and I said hi. And she's, of course, sweet as effing pie. Yes. But the way that she stands and the way that she walks and the way she shakes oh, those Oh my God. I was like, I was like, I was like, I mean, straight people can do drag all day long. All drag is valid. Hashtag Paradox Ray is here, and I need to say that on the podcast. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I was like, she's probably straight, but 
She got some swish. <laughs> swish, swish, bitch. Oh, God. I can't believe I didn't even write. Oh, God. Whatever. Oh, Whatever. so funny. So let's get into my last two questions that I have for you. Um, so the one I asked you to think about is, what is a misconception that people have for you? Or have about you? Um, the biggest thing is, especially in New York, people take my niceness and my being genuine consistently as me being a fake person. Uh, and, uh, Hmm. people, it it takes people a few times meeting me to recognize that like, I am truly authentic in the way that they act and my positivity isn't a mask. It's authentically who I am. And so that's the biggest misconception. And, um, there are multiple people that are in my life that have told me that like they hated me the first moment they met me because they didn't trust me and they didn't believe me. Um, but that's it. And, um, I don't know if it, I don't know, like I'm a Leo. And so people like take the brashness of who I am as a person and just like, uh, my demeanor as fake and it's not, Mm. You know, uh, actually, that's interesting, and it's not to boost my own horn on this. I never actually thought that about you, but I can 100%. Because, so when I first moved to Portland, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Uh, one way that I bond with drag queens is I compliment the things I like about them. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I love your hair, I love your makeup, I love your costume, or something like that. I, it's always specific to things that I actually do like. It's also how I communicate with them. <laughs> yes. Especially because I just moved there, and there's all these people I'm meeting, right? And so a lot of girls had said when I first moved to Portland, they're like, oh, you're really fake. And I was like, why? They're like, well, you like seem really gruff with this one person and whatever, or whatever. And I was like, well, I was like, I'm gruff with my friends. Like, you know, like we, we can joke and we can, you know, rib each other and whatever. And I was like, and she's like, but you just like just complimented this about me. And it just seemed like it was really disingenuous. And I was like, no, it, it, it's genuine. I just, that's the thing that I like about you. And I was like, to be honest, it's actually kind of shady because if I'm only complimenting this one thing about you, it means I don't like the other thing. (laughs) (laughs) And like, but it's true. I like to compliment drag artists when they're like, I was like, Oh girl, you served it. This performance was great. And your makeup is awesome. Mm -hmm. And like, and those are all true things And I can absolutely. So that's why I can absolutely see how you being a positive person. And even though I never felt that from you in the years that we've known each other, I never felt like your positivity came from a place of insecurity. And I never felt like it came from a place of being, um, like insecure, disingenuous or any of that stuff. I always thought it was just real. Cause like, because of how you act in every other aspect when like the cameras aren't rolling is you're still the same person in the sense of like how you treat people and you always want to be super helpful. Oh God, you're way too helpful. But like, oh, <laughs> listen, if anyone ever auditions for Camp Kiki, you go there and you be a camper, not a producer or a helper. <laughs> you can put it on the pod. Z was, Z was definitely trying to help every single person do everything they needed to. And they were good. Actually, the funny thing is I remember there was a conversation we had when we were walking back from, like, dinner. I remember we were in drag, so it might have been dinner, but maybe not. I mean, probably after a talent show or whatever. And we were just, like, kind of talking and whatever like that and just how you were talking about insecurities and things like you were feeling and whatever. And I was talking about things I was feeling and you were just, like, listening to every word and responding accordingly, you know, like a conversation. And that's how I knew that you were really genuine because you just listened and you took what I said to like put into your story to then also give me advice. And I was giving you advice. And like, it was like a whole mm-hmm. beautiful moment that we were having. And I was like, I'm going to be friends with this really, really incredibly irritating person for a long time. <laughs> 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 and here we are. And here we are. 
years later at the Austin Drag Festival performing together as uh, hashtag reality TV Can stars. You believe it. Like, it's coming up in a few weeks. It will have been, what, May 10th is when we went. Is it May 10th when we went? May 10th is when we went of 2019. So it's oh coming up on like, or, or that's when we ended. Like the we first, ended the May, first, yeah. yeah, I think we ended May 10th. But like, it's coming up on three years since we've done that. Can you I believe know. that? And they keep talking about, oh, I didn't actually ask Vivian this. No, I did ask her this. So I'm going to ask you too. Would you be on an all-star season if they had one? If I'm not on Drag Race first? No, oh I'm just kidding. God, I can't believe I fucking just said that. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I would be on an all-star season. Because now I know who Xenon is, right? right. You know, like, when you, if you look at all my different things, I think I had really good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely could have... Um, I definitely think that I could have like altered some certain things, but like they were also like different. Like right. now I think there would be a through line of knowing who Xenon is in terms of being uh, present and competing because like I have this concept of who I am now. That makes a lot of sense actually. Cause so I, uh, so I was in the, we work so at Austin Jack Festival, they have shuttles and I was in the car with Sugar Breakers and Ruthie and I was asking Vivian, um, again, in front of them. No, I decided to ask the Sugar Bakers in front of me and Vivian. I was like, so Sugar Bakers, because everybody keeps talking about it. Are you guys ever going to have an All-Stars? Because you guys never say yes or no whether or not you want to do that. And they're just like, they're like, hmm. Like, because I, I can't give anything away on the podcast. They're just like, hmm. And they kind of said some things. But then they, Ruthie goes, she's like, oh, Coco, if we did that, um, honey, like, the reason you don't know about it is because you would have never been on it. <gasps> I the know. Shade. The shade. The cacity. I was like, oh, my God. How dare she come for me so correctly. <laughs> but, but I mean, when you think about it, though, like, to have an all-star season of Camp on a Kiki, there technically would have to be five seasons out because you would need... Well, like, you need, like, at least a few seasons to have, like, a good number of campers to choose to who are, like, fan favorites and whatever like that. Because you can't just bring back everybody from every season. You have to, like, pick and choose at least two people from a season. And, like, so currently on on TV right now, on Out TV, there's only three Three. seasons. And so that, like, if you pick two people from every season, it's only six campers. That's, like, that's not enough. Right? I think that there would be... Well, I mean, if you look at some of the things from the other TV show that's on, there have been things... There have been... Uh, campers, <laughs> uh, like, like, uh, yeah, there have been like four contestants from one season. Mm-hmm. Like, so who knows? I don't it's know. True. We'll see what they would do. Well, the funny thing is, I think I don't know. I, I have really. So now that we're all older, because um, mm-hmm. when I was on the show, I was what? Because I'm 35 now, so I was like 32, 33 at the time, and I still like 32, 33. But I will tell you right now, ladies and gents, you feel like you are in your 20s a little bit still, and like I was feeling fine. I was feeling I could do all the stuff, and now like things crack, things hurt. Like it just, I'm just like. But the funny thing is, I know that Kitty Letter ATX is 877 years old, and like she did all of those things, and so I can't really complain because she did all of those things. No, excuse me, I was the one that was doing all the rowing and that mother <laughs> tucking boat. She did none of it. <laughs> Don't even bring that up. And actually, was Kitty the one of the people who could do the high ropes course or could not do the high she ropes course? She did it. She did it. But also, she she tried. I don't remember if she did it. She is she is ex military, and I I throw that out there because like Kitty she's is a beast. She is a beast, and she's like a leather daddy a little bit, and like so she like that was not necessarily 
super hard for. I mean, it probably was hard for her because she's old as dirt. But like, it just, it just, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's just interesting. <laughs> that was Zidane sneezing into um, one of my towels. That's A wet right. towel. <laughs> wet towel. Yeah. <laughs> now I have the essence of holiday. I, as, all all of, so that's what I'm gonna call my perfume. The essence of holiday. The essence. Oh my god, so stupid. There's a little bit of sugar plum fairy. Oh, oh no, there's the there's the uh, gunpowder from the fireworks. All the different <laughs> holidays are coming through. Oh, that's, gosh, that's what I you smell like. <laughs> fireworks and fairy dust. Well, you and have sugar to go plum. beat that mug too. So I you're do. gonna like you're gonna just like waft it all over me. And by the way, like Coco Jim Holly is gorgeous, so it's fine. Oh. Um so I guess my last question for you is actually there's two questions left, but um, if you had to get into a bar fight, um, and you needed two people who are your Camp Wanakiki siblings, and they can be from any currently out season, um, who would you have on your side and why to win the fight? I think I would have Diana Fire as <laughs> one of them. <laughs> um, a lot. Because she, <laughs> she's real good with tools. <laughs> God, she is creative with those. <laughs> She's real tools. good at making glory holes. <laughs> She's real good at making lots of things. Um, <laughs> so I think Diana Fire would absolutely be one. Uh, and then, um, oh my gosh, I think another one would. Oh, okay. Blackout drunk Debbie Fox. That's who it would be. Like she'd have to be completely wasted in order for it to be like to count. So like, <laughs> uh, I, I love these. But if it would if it would be from a Caesar from three, I think bulimian specifically because she has to deal with all the rowdy people in Texas. Yeah, and getting drunk, and so I think she would be a perfect one. Oh, but also America Powers, like America Powers. Would be oh good. my god. Yeah. Anyway, I would choose a lot of people. I would just make them fight for me and I'd be like getting in the Uber on the way home. (laughs) I'd text them later. Who won, by the way? (laughs) How's my honor? Has it been dishonored? I don't know. I would actually, the funny thing is I, I didn't actually, because I asked this question to Vivian too. I, I think I would literally, one of them, I would be, it would be Alexis Bevels. I would, and the reason is like, no, I just can't see anybody effing with her. That's true. Like, I just can't see anybody like really stepping up to her and she just not immediately taking them down. Like, cause she's super kind. She's super sweet, but she also just has an air of her. Like, just don't F with her. Like, so I think she would be one of mine, honestly. Yeah. Like, I just, I just see that for her. And the other person that I wouldn't, I kind of went on my side just because I work with her a lot now in Portland is I honestly, I would kind of want Claire on my side a little bit because Claire, Claire is a, <laughs> she's an industrial little fucker. She's an industrial little fucker. Like I, I literally, every time I fight with Claire and I fight with Claire often, by the way, because we butt heads like crazy. And every time we get into a disagreement, like she just doesn't back down. Like she's just like, like, she would whoop my ass in a parking lot if she so chose. Like, it just kills me. Um, oh, yes. Uh, you, you are 100% correct. <laughs> I mean, all, like, there are so many people. It would be a hard one to fight because, like, everyone has their own things that they would be good at. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Ivana would just, like, kill people with her, the cackle that she has. Like, it's, <laughs> She's so good. <laughs> it's wild. So I many crazy her. things would happen. So what is something that you would want to leave the listeners with? Like something you want to promote or 
um, something that you would like like to leave with them, and something something they need to think about. Ooh, I know. Speaking of one of those inspirational moments, am I right? (laughs) I would say the thing that I want to leave with the people is that uh, in 2019, in March, the world ended as we knew it, and with that, the normal ended with it. Mm Uh, and so normal is gone. Normal is dead. And it, um, after the pandemic, I continued to go on to lose 100 pounds, move back to New York, and now I'm a full-time drag queen living in New York City. Mm-hmm. And um, I want everyone to know that their dreams are fully capable of happening, of happening and coming true, but you have to be the ones to make them come true. Yeah. And if you want to create a new normal, you have every single capability and fiber of your being to be able to do it so do it yeah build your new normal absolutely i love that i love that um so then the other thing is so uh just say your social media by the way as we as everybody knows like i always include pictures and the social media information online but for those of you who don't get to our website it's not if you want to say what your social media is so the kids can follow you yes you can find me on scruff at dom top for you <laughs> Uh, you, you can find me. I love uh, lying bottom. On oh oh no, ma'am, no ma'am. There's no lying about it. Uh, and you can find me on Venmo at Tip Xenon T I P Z E N O N because it's Xenon with a Z, not Xenon with an X. Because Xenon with a Z goes Z, not X. <laughs> The noise. It's almost an ASMR. It's not an it's So yes, as a reminder, T-I-P-Z-E-N-O-N. And you can find me on Instagram at Xenon with a Z. Z-E-N-O-N-W-I-T-H-A-Z. Because so often people used to call me by my Instagram handle, which was as Xenon TV. And so people would say, oh, your name is as Xenon. Oh. No, it's not. Oh, wow. So wait, what is <laughs> oh, it, it was now? the worst. Uh, Bushwig. The, uh, when I performed at Bushwig, they called me as Xenon TV. Oh, and I was like, that is not my name. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I get that. Uh, and then... So yeah, it's Xenon with a Z is my name. And so like, because it's just Xenon and... It's not Zena Warrior Princess as much as I love her. She's great. And I'm actually going to have, I'm okay, I have a Broadway designer making an outfit for me right now that is like, what would it look like if Zena Warrior Princess was transported in time to be an 80s female wrestler? Oh. I'm having that outfit made for me and I'm very excited exciting. about it. Exciting. Yes. Love that. But that's my Instagram handle is Xenon with a Z. Z-E-N-O-N with a Z. That's so cool. I'm so close to 5,000 followers. Oh, are you really? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. I actually, um, Vivian was saying that she's like getting close to like three or four, something like that. And I was like, I lost 500 followers recently because I did something silly. Um, <laughs> I saw, I talk too much on the internet and people don't like that. And then they'll unfollow <gasps> me. <laughs> but that's, congratulations. That's awesome. That's Thank so cool. you so much. Oh, also she has merch available on dragqueenmerch.com. I oh, sure do. You can get the shirt that I'm wearing now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful Listeners. shirt. <laughs> I don't know who the hell it is on the shirt, but it has her name next to it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been an interview with Xenon TV, who currently lives in New York. And then also keep in mind that they have all their social media. If you want to book them to come to your cities, because I have a lot of drag artists who listen to this podcast, they are super entertaining. You can follow, um, you can look at them on my website at gemofasecretpodcast.com, and which will have links to all of their social media, just in case you want to get a little closer eye with the person I've been staring across the table from for the last 50 minutes. So we have to go get our faces beat for our show that we have later. So remember, I am not cheap, but I am affordable. <laughs> She's absolutely cheap. <laughs> Say bye to the kids, Enon. Bye, kids. Bye. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret podcast are Donna and Coco Gem Holiday. You can follow Donna at Donatella underscore my secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Gem Holiday at Coco Gem Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at Touche Likes Beef and Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more content, follow them online at www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is www.ajem of a secret podcast.com